Good afternoon. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Uh, my name is Paul McVitie. I'm the lead pastor here at Chapel Hill Church. And it really is a delight to have you here to celebrate Christmas with us. Um, I know many of you are visiting. Welcome. We hope that this service will be a blessing to you and that you'll just enter in with us into the Christmas story, the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. What I want to do as I start my message this afternoon is, is go straight to the scripture. I want to go straight into the Bible, into an account, a historical account that was written by a man named Luke. And Luke knew Jesus. Luke recorded the things that happened in Jesus' life. And so I want to read for you from the book of Luke, from his writings, the first seven verses of chapter 2 that give us an account of the birth of Jesus Christ. All right, so listen. We're going to read from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And this is what Luke writes. He says, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was the ruler of the Roman Empire. Pretty much ruled the world at that point. A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. This is what Luke writes about the birth of Jesus Christ. And I get very excited about this season. I get excited about this day and about tomorrow. I can't wait for Christmas to come. There's this buildup. There's this anticipation. And I wonder what it is for you this afternoon that helps you with that anticipation. What helps build that up for you? I think there are a number of different things that help us build that sense of anticipation towards Christmas. For some, it's what happens in the stores. Sometime two or three weeks before Thanksgiving, you start to see Christmas displays in the stores. And now you're starting to think about Christmas. Then you start to hear Christmas music, and it starts getting you in the mood for Christmas. And that buildup begins. What is it for you? Maybe it's the shopping. Maybe it's making that list of who's going to get what and going and finding the best possible deals that you can for those gifts. Maybe that builds your sense of anticipation for Christmas. I think there are lots of different things that do it. One of the things that I know that does it is TV Christmas specials, right? Christmas movies. We all kind of have our favorite Christmas TV special, don't we? What are some of yours? What do you like? What's your favorite Christmas special? Frosty Rudolph. Elf, Charlie Brown, White Christmas, absolutely. There are all kinds of them out there, aren't there? There are all kinds of Christmas specials. And when it comes on, it's like, okay, now it's Christmas. I got to see my show. I'm in the Christmas spirit now. There are all kinds of things that happen. Uh, I have three sons, two 11-year-olds and an 8-year-old. And a few weeks ago, one of my boys says to me, Dad, when's that Christmas show going to come on? Like, okay, you need to give me a little bit more to go on here. What do you mean? What Christmas show? He says, you know, the one with the fire. The one with the fire. <laughs> the fire? Are we talking heat miser here? What, what are we talking about? What, about? what do you mean the one with the fire? You know, with the fire. And every so often you see somebody put another piece of wood on it. 
And if you don't get that, there are a couple of local stations who give their entire staff Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off. And instead of showing programs on TV, they run a looping video of a fireplace. And every so often, sure enough, on this video, somebody's hand comes in and puts more wood on the fire. And he's like, when's the Christmas special coming on? (laughs) There are all kinds of different Christmas specials that get us in the mood, that build, that help us build the sense of anticipation towards today, this day. My favorite has always been Charlie Brown. Always been and always will be Charlie Brown. I have a special place in my heart for Charlie Brown and for the Christmas special and for anything Charlie Brown, really. Um, This goes back to when I was a kid and it's carried on to this day and I know it will carry on. Um, I got to tell you about my experience in elementary school and let me just give you a little background here. I grew up in Vancouver in Canada and back then elementary school or grade school or primary school, whatever you guys call it here, uh, was first grade through seventh grade. Okay, not the way it is here. First grade through seventh grade. So when I was in fifth grade in elementary school, um, my sister was two years older than me and she was in seventh grade. And every year our school put on a huge musical production and it was a big deal. We did it eight times in seven days. We were on television, the works. It was a huge production and we always got really excited for it. And so when I was in fifth grade and my sister was in seventh grade, she landed the lead role, the starring role in the musical that year. They were doing Sam the Good Samaritan. She got to be Sam. She wowed everybody. She had all this talent. And uh, so the next year she moves on to middle school and I'm still in elementary school and I go into sixth grade. And I get into sixth grade, and some of the staff from the school came to me one day and said, hey, we'd like you to try out for this year's musical. We think you'll be good at it. And I was like, hang on a second. My older sister is adopted. (laughs) I did not necessarily inherit those genes, so let's just clarify that right now. I may bomb at this entirely. And they're like, no, we think you're going to be just right for this. Well, there were some reasons for that. I was short. I had blonde hair. And when I shave my head, which I've done, you'll find that it is totally round. (laughs) I have a sphere right here. And so guess which musical they're doing? They were doing You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And I auditioned and I won the lead role of Charlie Brown in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And I have tons of memories from that. It was a big deal for me. And, and my mind goes back there often to those, those days of rehearsing my lines and all the performances and everything. And, and I have this deeper connection with the Charlie Brown thing. Um, Charlie Brown was released in 1965. I was born in 1965. Charlie Brown turned 50 this year. I turned 32. <laughs> all of this stuff just surrounds Charlie Brown and his history. And so that's always meant a lot to me. So then I got to seventh grade, and uh, I auditioned for... Paul, wait a minute. What? I, I didn't realize that Charlie Brown meant that much to you. I had no idea. Uh, what, um, I, I had no idea. What are you doing? Well, I, I'm just sitting here listening to you talk. I'm almost trying to cry how much it means to you. Yeah. And, and I just thought, we could do this. Do what? Let's relive that memory. Charlie let's, Brown? Yes. Let's relive it right now. I mean, come on, it's Christmas Eve. No one has anything going on. You want to do it right now. Let's do it right now. Come on, here. I got an idea. Come here. Come here. I'll show you something. Peter, we've talked about your spontaneity. Come here. here. You're giving me an ulcer.
We're back. Boy, are you stupid, Charlie Brown. What kind of tree is this? You were supposed to get a good tree. Don't you even know what a good tree is versus a poor tree? I told you he'd goof it up. You can't count on him to do anything right. You're hopeless, Charlie Brown. Completely hopeless. Rats. You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time, you really did it. <laughs> <laughs> what a tree! I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I could tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sure afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. I guess Linus is right. I won't let all this commercialism ruin my Christmas. I'll decorate this little tree and I'll show them that it'll work for our play. Oh. I killed it. Ah! Everything I touch gets ruined. I never thought it was a bad tree. It's not bad, really. It just needs a little love.
Charlie Brown is a blockhead. But he did get a nice tree. What's going on here? Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Okay, he was right. It was kind of fun. <laughs> You know, I want to talk about a particular scene in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Because there's something that I discovered this year, and I I haven't seen this in the past at all before. But this year, somebody wrote this in a blog, and and it it caught my attention when I saw it. I went, oh, wow, seriously. When Linus is out here quoting scripture from Luke chapter 2, and it's a passage that follows the one that I read at the beginning of my time up here. When Linus is out there quoting those verses, he talks about the angels coming to the shepherds. And the angel comes to the shepherds and the angel says, fear not. And when the angel says, fear not, Linus lets go of his blanket. Now, you may think that's just coincidence or, you know, it just happened to, Charles Schultz just happened to write it up that way. You know, no big deal. It just happens but keep in mind that linus had a hard time letting go of his blanket if you remember the peanuts cartoons where snoopy would try and steal linus's blanket he'd sneak up on him he'd grab the end of the blanket and take off with it and linus would go flying along with him but he would not let go of his blanket but in this scene what charles schultz gives us is this image Of Linus losing his blanket, letting go of his blanket when the angel says, fear not. And I love that picture. And I want to talk about that this evening for a little bit. Uh, Here at Chapel Hill Church through this Christmas season, we've been talking about a prophecy that was made 700 years before Jesus even came into the world. By a prophet named Isaiah. And he talked about the people living in darkness have seen a great light. We've been talking about darkness and light. And that anticipation of Christ bringing light into the dark world. And so because of that, we've had to talk a little bit about the darkness, about what goes on in the darkness. And so I want you to just think about the dark for a little bit. Think about what darkness creates for you. What kind of emotions does it create for you? And for some of you, it's, it's, maybe it's just physical darkness. Um, last month, I, I took uh, my two oldest boys, they're in fifth grade, and I went with all the fifth graders from their school up to Wolf Ridge Environmental Learning Center. We went up there for the week with their whole fifth grade class. I got the chaperone. And and one of the things that we got to do that was led by the chaperones is we went on a night hike. And so I got to, to brief the kids ahead of time on what they were going to encounter. And I said, listen, we're going up a trail. It's nighttime. It's black, dark out there. And so here's what I want to know. I said, we're going we're gonna to bring you along a path. We're going to drop you off by yourself at a certain point on the path. And we're going to leave you there alone. 
in the dark. So I said, I want a little honesty from you. And so uh, fifth graders being fifth graders, I said, everybody close your eyes. I said, now without anyone seeing this or knowing, um, how many of you are afraid of the dark? And two thirds of those kids put their hand up. They're afraid of the dark. And so I prepared them for what was ahead. And that's just a reality. One of the emotions that the darkness creates in us is fear. We get afraid in the dark. Maybe in literal darkness, maybe in figurative darkness. But darkness causes fear in us. Darkness causes weakness in us in a lot of cases. Darkness causes this uncertainty in us. We don't know what's going on around us. We, we don't know what's going to happen. We can't see it. We can't see what's coming. We can't see what's behind us. We can't see, and we're very uncertain about that. But one of the strongest emotions that's created in us by darkness, literal and figurative darkness, is insecurity. We get insecure when it's dark. And we need security. We want security. And this insecurity just comes from a lot of things. It comes from the fact that the world around us is dark. This is not the kingdom of bright cheeriness, this world. It's filled with darkness. It's filled with things like terrorism and hate and crime, violence, poverty, starvation, all kinds of things. This is a dark world. And we get that feeling of insecurity from this dark world. We get that feeling of insecurity from a lot of different sources. Often we just look at the reality that the world's imperfect and so are we. And so we can't have confidence. We can't put our security in other people and we can't put it in us because none of us are perfect. And so we deal with this insecurity and we feel that insecurity. We want to be secure. We're wired to need to be secure. But this world just creates all kinds of insecurity in us. So what do we turn to? What do we look for? What are our security blankets? Well, some of them are pretty obvious. Money, of course, is one of them. Financial security. That's what we're after, right? We're going to feel secure if we have enough money, if we have enough stuff. If our house is something that we can be confident about, if our jobs are something that we can be confident about, we can be secure about, we look at our financial status, at our material status, and go, okay, if I had more, if I had enough, I will feel more secure. And so we seek that. We go out and try to get more. We do whatever it takes. We sacrifice all kinds of things so that we can be more secure financially. That's one of the things that we do. That's one of our security blankets. Another one of our security blankets is power. We want to be able to control our circumstances. If we can control our circumstances, we think, we're going to feel more secure. So we seek that. We seek control. We seek power over people, don't we? We climb the corporate ladder so that we can be in a position of power so that we will be secure. That power supposedly brings us security. That's another one of our security blankets. Third one that I want to look at is that of relationships. We look for security in our relationships. We want to know that somebody loves us. We want to know that someone accepts us. We want to know that someone affirms us. We want to know that someone values us. We want to know that someone needs us. In that, we're pretty sure we're going to find security. So we look for it. We look for security. We look for security in money. We look for security in power. We look for security in our relationships. Can you relate to any of that? 
I think you can. This is real. We want to feel secure. And so we look for those security blankets to help us feel secure. 2,000 years ago, into the darkness of this insecure world, a baby was born. The light came into the darkness, but not in your expected way. He didn't come in all kinds of brilliance and, and, and pomp and circumstance. He came in such an odd way. He came into a very insecure place in a very insecure world, didn't he? He lowered himself to that place of insecurity. These are the things that he can relate to. What we just talked about. Did the baby Jesus, did Joseph and Mary have great financial security? No, not even close. They were very poor. The, the Roman Empire had taken everything away from them. Joseph wasn't even living in his homeland where his family owned property and all that. He had, he had to leave. He was over 100 miles from Bethlehem where he lived in Nazareth. He had very little of anything. Mary's family didn't either. They lived in a poverty-stricken area. They did not have financial security. This is the family that God chose to send his son into. In the midst of all kinds of insecurity, financially. Did they have power? No. The census is evidence of that. Caesar said, you're going to be registered. And they went because he had the power. Did they have the opportunity to say, you know what? She's pregnant. We'll wait until after she has a child and then we'll go. Not an option. They would have been killed if that's what they had declared. So they were not powerful people. But into that insecure, powerless place came Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Okay, what about relational security? I'm sure they had that, right? Keep in mind the fact that Mary got pregnant out of wedlock and her cover story was, the Holy Spirit is making a baby in me. What kind of impact do you think that had on their relational security? It hurt. It was going to hurt Joseph, but God revealed to him that he was doing this, and Joseph believed God. And so they had each other, and particularly on this trip, that was about all they had was each other. They had been shunned. They were living in shame the looks that they got day after day after day when she's pregnant and they're only engaged, they're not married yet. That was relational insecurity. And into that insecurity, Jesus, the Son of God, came. I'm reminded of this. Um, last night, sat down with my family and we watched the movie, The, Nat- the Nativity Story. And, and it's this beautiful depiction of, of the birth of Jesus Christ. It's, it's really well done. And, and you can argue about little points here and there that may not have been historically accurate. Whatever. It told the story. It gave this beautiful picture. And I was moved again when it got to that point where Jesus was born. And here they are in a stable, in a barn. And the baby Jesus is born and comes into this world. And I was struck again powerfully by how insecure that setting was. It was amazing. 
Amazing that our Father in heaven, that God would choose to bring light into the world that way. Isn't that amazing? He came into an incredibly insecure setting. He was born to identify with us and our insecurity. God became man and faced the same insecurities that we have. But that's not the end of it. Jesus is not just someone who can identify us. And I love this. He's not just someone who can identify us. He's not just waiting for us to survive life. And then at the end when we're whining and complaining about how hard it was. He goes, oh, I know, I've been there. That's not where it ended for Jesus. That is not the fullness of his mission. Jesus came and identified with us in our insecurity so that, so that he could invite us to identify with him in his security. He came to identify with us in our insecurity so that he could invite us to come and identify with him in his security. Do you know what he didn't do? He didn't just come in and say, okay, those things that you're seeking security in, I'll make them better for you so that you can find it there. Jesus didn't come and say, follow me, and then say, if you follow me, I'll make sure that you have financial security. Don't worry about it. You'll have more than enough. You'll be taken care of if you just follow me. And you will find security in your finances. He didn't come and say, okay, if you follow me, I will give you power. You'll be able to control your circumstances. You'll be able to control the people around you. That's my gift to you. You'll find security in those things. He didn't come and say, okay, if you choose to follow me, you will find security in all your relationships. The people in your life will love you. They'll think you're awesome. They will need you. And you will find security in your relationships if you just follow me. That's not what Jesus did. That's not what he promised. That wasn't his mission. He didn't just come to improve the things that we seek security in. He identified with us in our insecurity so that... He could invite us to identify with him in his security. And his security is characterized by these things that we've, we've been talking about, but in a completely different way. Think about the treasure that Jesus talked about. We fixate a lot on earthly treasure. He fixated on heavenly treasure, treasure in heaven. He said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He fixated on eternal treasure. He said that everything that my father has will be yours because as you get adopted into my father's family, you become my brother and what I inherit, you inherit. That's the kind of treasure. That's the kind of financial security that God offers us. It's not what we have here. It's what we're going to have forever. He addressed the power issue. Said Jesus said, I will give you power from on high. His spirit came to live in us and give us that eternal power. Power that comes from the one who created the heavens and the earth. Power that comes from the one who raised the dead. Power that comes from the one who could just speak one word and this whole world would be obliterated. 
That power. That's the power that he offers us. Not power over each other. Jesus had a lot to say about that. And it wasn't a promise that we would have power over other people. He promised us God's power. Eternal power. And he spoke into our relationships. And instead of what we know here. He said listen here's what I've got for you relationally. I love you. I the creator of heaven and earth. The alpha and omega. I love you. I love you unconditionally. I love you perfectly. I cannot love you any more than I already do. I cannot love you any less than I already do. That will never change. My love is a secure love. I love you perfectly. Be secure in that. This is the security that God sent Jesus to earth to offer us. He entered in. He identified with us in our insecurity. So that we could identify with him. In his security. Do you want that kind of security? Boy I do. See we were wired to need security. It's part of who we are. We need to feel secure. But God offers us. Himself. As our security. So here's the question I have for you this afternoon. Let's go back to Linus. What's your security blanket? What is your security blanket? What are you looking to to provide security in your life? What are you looking to to deal with that insecurity that you have? Is it money? Is it power? Is it relationships? Is it something else? What are you looking for to find security in? Because this afternoon I want to do this with you. Um, I'm going to talk to two groups here. Uh, First of all, there are many of you who have been following Jesus for a long time. And you know this here. But then you get out into the world, into this dark world where we feel insecure, where we experience that fear, and we do it anyway, don't we? I know I do. I know I worry about my finances sometimes. I know I wish I had more control sometimes. I would love to be in all kinds of relationships that are perfect, where everybody needs me and they love me unconditionally. I want security in my relationship with my wife, with my boys. I want it with my coworkers. I want it with my church. And I think every one of us is still guilty of of looking for security in the things that are not going to give us security. And so maybe this afternoon, at this Christmas time, even if you've been following Jesus your whole life, maybe it's time for you to just say, you know what, God, it's true. And you bring him your security blanket and you drop it because he says, fear not. And you say, God, it's, it's me again. And I've been doing this again. Will you take this stupid blanket? I want what you have. I want my security to be in you. Maybe that's what you're going to do this Christmas. But don't miss this. Don't miss this. 
Some of you that are here this afternoon, this whole message of Jesus coming and everything is, it, it, maybe it's just always been a story and maybe this is the only time you've been to church or something like that. Maybe you don't understand this whole thing. Maybe you're not a part of a church like this where you can come and learn more and more all the time about what it means to be secure in Christ, what it means to lay up treasure in heaven, to have God's power in you, to accept God's perfect love for you. Maybe that's not something that you've experienced. But I want to give you an opportunity right now to take a step towards doing that, okay? Because I don't want you to miss this. We received a gift at Christmas. The gift of a child. The Son of God. Who came to dwell among us for a while. And he came to identify with our insecurities. He came to experience that. So that he could invite us to identify with him and his security. And I ask all of you right now to just bow your heads and close your eyes. Right where you are, just close your eyes. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe for some of you, you just need to talk to God right now and say, God, I, I know this to be true, but I'm not living it and I want to live it. I want to let go of these security blankets so God, take them. For some of you who have never had this encounter with God where you have just said, God, I am living in fear in this insecure world. And I have never received this gift that you offer. Here's what I want to do with you right now. As, as you have your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I want you to just pray a simple prayer with me. And in your, in your head, in your hearts, in silence, just repeat these words after me, okay? Say, God, I do feel insecure. And God, I'm seeking security in the wrong things. God, forgive me for that. God, I want you to be my security. So God, please come into my life right now. And be my security. I accept the gift of your son who came to connect me back to you. I need you, God. Be my security today. And with all eyes closed and heads bowed, um, if, you, if you prayed that prayer with me, a couple of things. I would encourage you to get involved in a church like this where you're going to learn what that really means. You're going to learn what it looks like in real life to follow Jesus and to find your security in the only place that you can find it, in God and God alone. If you prayed that prayer with me this afternoon without anybody looking, I'm not going to embarrass you here. Will you just put your hand up so that I can pray for you? Just put your hand up nice and high and just let me know, yeah, this is what I want. I want God to be my security. Is that you today? Anybody else? Hands up high. Just let me know so that I can pray for you. All right, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this amazing season. 
season when we get to celebrate family, when we get to celebrate generosity, when we get to celebrate traditions, and all kinds of really, really good things. God, in the midst of all the really good things, help us to find the best thing tonight and tomorrow, to find the best thing, to find the thing, the only thing that can satisfy our need to feel secure. Help us to find you. God, I thank you for the gift that you sent us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for stepping out of the security of heaven into the insecurity of this dark world to invite us to experience your security. God, we praise you for that gift. We praise you for the fact that, the, that Jesus came, the birth of Jesus happened in a stable, that he was laid in a manger so that he could truly identify with all of our insecurities. Thank you for humble beginnings for the King of kings and Lord of lords. What an amazing event. What an incredible story. All true. Because you love us that much. Thank you, Father, for this tremendous gift. We lift up ourselves to you this Christmas. We lift up our security blankets to you. And we drop them at your feet. Claiming you as our source of security. Because only you can deliver on that. We love you for that. We praise you for that. We gratefully accept everything that you have to offer us. We gratefully accept the security that we have in you. And we praise you for this in the name of the one who was born in a stable and laid in a manger. In the name of Jesus Christ, your perfect son. Amen.